Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Comic Chronicle Podcast. I'm you guys' host, Dakota Morgan, coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. Today we have a wonderful guest on the show. Dave Beatty is on the show. Dave is an artist and inker. He's done work for Flashpoint Wonder Woman, Brightest Day, a bunch of stuff at DC Comics. He's got his own thing. He's got Red Skirt going on. It's a lot. He's done so much. He's pushing the film industry, too. My God. We talk so much inspirational stuff today, like... So much inspirational and motivational things. You guys are really going to be surprised about it. If you don't take something away from this episode, I d- I've said it in there too. I'll say it here. I don't know how to help you because we talk so much stuff to help out creatives, no matter who you are, and about dreams and so much. I don't want to spoil it. If you guys want to stay in touch with the show, though, and it really, really helpful, every Monday we have new interviews and sometimes reviews, then you guys can check us out on iTunes or now Apple Podcasts in case some people don't know that. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or comicchronicle.podbean.com. You guys subscribe on there. It really, really helps. Also, if you want to stay in touch even more, you can follow me on social media to stay in touch for new episodes or uh, news that I'm doing with my books and such like that too, or whatever it may be. You can follow me at DakotaMorgan3 on Twitter or at Dakota underscore Morgan97 on Instagram. Follow me on there, guys, if you want to stay in touch, but also subscribe. It helps as well. We can do really cool things. We all work together. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And now that this intro's gotten almost two minutes long, let's go into my interview, the fun talk with the amazing Dave. Yeah, we're recording. Dave, I'll say it on record just so it's known, man. I got to say, it is an honor to have you here on the show. Well, thank you. It's nice to be on the show. Um, the uh, I, I still haven't gotten used to the fact that, uh, that people think so highly of the stuff I've done, but it's an honor to be on your show. I enjoy talking about comics in, in any form, whether it's my own work or someone else's. So thank you. Fair, of course, man. Like that's the beauty of the 21st century that we live in. We can have these sit down conversations in a sense over technology or in person, wherever, but you, you know, we can sit down and talk about the things we love and it's like forever there. So if you say something bad, you better hope that person can delete it. Otherwise you're screwed. But <laughs> besides that fact, Right. Uh, but yeah, man, that's the beauty of it all. And I I like to look people. There's comic fans, as we know, and there's fans of my work that's out there, too. When you write a few different series, you got the positive and the negative fan. They're like, oh, your work shit. Oh, whatever. But, you know, we got the negative ones. But to me, no matter if the work is like maybe a story is a little bit weird or maybe the art's a little bit off and what you want it to be. I personally think it's all important, you know, like every artist, every inker, everybody, every writer they're all important because they all like still tell these stories and they're still telling a story there. Whether or not you like it or not, it still is doing something for somebody. So I always think it's everybody in the comic industry is, or in the arts gen uh, industry in general is important. Yeah, I have to say, I definitely uh, agree with that sentiment and we're all contributing, you know, to the comic book medium as a whole. And uh, everyone's contribution is valid. Everyone has their own unique voice. Um, and I'm a big believer in that. Uh, I personally su- support a lot of independent titles when I can. You know, do a lot of the crowdfunding and stuff that's going on now, like Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in the independent uh, creators, and, and of course, I have a lot of you know, big two creators that are friends, and I support them as well. <laughs> exactly. so, Same here, I, man. Oh. Yeah, yeah, like it's a hundred percent. You know, we all got to support each other, and. I think Adam Savage said this was us freaks got to stick together. Or I changed it a little bit to us creatives got to stick together sort of thing because like, you know, it sounds a little bit nicer, but 
But you know, as creatives, you always got to stick together. And I really think no matter where you go, you're like, you, if you know someone, you're like, oh, we do this. Like, cause besides comics, as I mentioned before, we're going to, I also work in podcast one, but also two, I work in film in so many different aspects. And that is a big, big family. Like, you're like, oh, I'm, I work in film. And they're like, well, what do you do there? And like, if you meet someone else, it's automatically click and you're like brother or sister at this point. And so it's like really weird in a sense like that. Like, do you consider comics like a big family once to, once you start working and getting stuff published out to the fans, you consider it a big family too? I do. And I was going to say, I can, I can echo that sentiment in terms of like, you know, working on film projects. I've done a couple of, uh, I've collaborated on a couple of independent films, like mm-hmm. providing art for them. And then um, I did a tie and comic for a, a feature-length independent film called Occupant uh, mm-hmm. about a year or two ago. And the thing that was interesting about that is, is how welcoming the entire cast and crew was. They, they had a big launch party for the comic, and a lot of the actors actually came out to support that event and made a big deal out of it. And we had a, a crazy cast party, like, uh, in, in my hotel room. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. So I, I definitely can say that, that definitely I've done with film. Uh, but also in the comic community as well. I think everyone kind of looks at it as, you know, we're all kind of part of this, um, this special group. Yeah. Uh, and I consider a lot of the professionals and, and different people I've collaborated with over the years, I consider them all family. So I would totally agree with that. Sweet. Uh, thank God you didn't disagree because it would have been like, well, this is kind of awkward. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, we're not a family. We're workers. Like, oh, <laughs> it's going to be a long hour. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Man. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of weird in the sense that I was a big fan before I was a professional. That's the way to go about it. Yeah, my my view on things is probably maybe a little bit different than than other people may have. Um, But I just I I can I just personally see it that way. I do see it as kind of like being a family and and something that we all love and we're all into. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in that. Amen to that. And it's like that's why when people there's I've met these fans in person and online which is also a good thing to do and a terrible thing to do is to engage in fans on the internet. But, which I thank you for engaging with this fan, though. But, <laughs> um, is there say, oh, Kickstarters and a GoFundMe for comics and whatnot, they're going to be the death of the comic book industry. And those people, I look upon them and like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, you and, you're an idiot if you think that. Because, no, it's going to further the industry or the, the whole family of comics. You know, like, I, I, when I heard that sentiment, that sentence out of the person, I was like, really? Really? No, I'm like, do you work with comics at all as a writer, artist, inker, or whatever? And they said, no. No, I'm just a fan. Like, can you have some word here for that? But I, I couldn't believe it when I heard that the other day. Right. I, I definitely don't agree with that because anything that grows and expands the reader base, um, anything that helps introduce or create an avenue or an opportunity for someone to hopefully read and enjoy something mm-hmm. uh, and connect with it on hopefully a, a level. Because a lot of independent comics, just, let's be honest, I mean, the distribution channels aren't what they were like in the 80s during the black and white explosion. Yeah, that's uh, true. They're not even what they were like in the 90s. So, uh, you know, the distribution channels and everything has kind of shrunk and changed. So anything that's an avenue to introduce, introduce people to you know, the art form, the media, the hobby, how do you going to look at it? I consider that all to be good. Um, you know, 
digital comics, web comics, print comics, however, you know, motion comics. How do you want to consume comics and, and have it hopefully enrich your life and be something that hopefully you're going to want to share with others? That's all good at the end of the day. Exactly. Exactly. 100% agree with that. And so the fans out there listening who may be thinking the same sentiment of that previous person, who I may, no, I'm not going to say their name, but they're thinking that you've just been proved wrong. <laughs> Him or her, <laughs> sir or madam, you've been proved wrong. Don't go after Dave, though. You come after me. <laughs> I'll take the heat, Dave. Don't worry. Uh, but it's, it's fine. They, they, they can express their opinion to me, too. I'm, I'm all good with it. Sweet. Um, the, um, but I, I, you know, it goes back to, I remember at one point some people thought like that cosplay was going to be the death of something. Or, really? You know, insert, yeah, insert anything is the death of anything. Um, oh, shit. But in, in, my, in my opinion, at the end of the day, if it, if it helps to grow and expand the audience and, and introduce someone to comic books and into the stories and the world building and, and all the wonderful things that comic books do, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's good. Yeah, I'm with it on that. I'm 100% with it. Now, this is this seems like a Time Interview Magazine question I'm going to ask you, but it's not. This is honestly something I've never asked. Even my own artists on my books, I've never asked this question. And friends at DC and Marvel, everywhere, all around. Man, what is, Dave, what does an artist, what did being an artist mean to you, man? I'm very curious. Like, what is being an artist and doing stuff with film, with comics? Like, what is it to you that makes you, like, want to keep doing it? want to keep creating and drawing characters or even inking or anything like that like what is it to you what is it to me um well that's a pretty heavy question yeah um, <laughs> i just put I, the hammer I, down <laughs> no i mean I, I honestly i just feel compelled to create um and so therefore i do um i I never, well, there's been a couple times in my life I've thought about, well, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I think everyone hits that kind of crossroads, and you have to decide if you're going to double down. Every once in a while, life hits you with a roadblock, and you find yourself at the the fork in the road, the crossroads, and and you have to decide, you know, what paths you're going to go down. Um, But in terms of what it means to me, I mean, uh, being an artist has defined my life for so long. Um, to me, it's it's kind of everything. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's such an important part of everything that I am. Um, and even if I couldn't draw, because there was a time in my life when I thought maybe I wouldn't be able to anymore, even then I still wanted to create. So, um, I don't know, it's a pretty heavy question, but to me, being an artist pretty much means everything. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it, it, it's a... I feel compelled to create, um, and um, so I create. It's just in your blood, I yeah. I mean, no, it is. I would say it. I mean, most definitely, that's an answer because I. You can even add on to it and be like, it's in your blood. It's what you know. Who, who I mean, how long have you been in the business? Like uh, being an artist. Uh, professionally as an illustrator, uh, I'm getting close to thirty years. Thirty years. So, so. that's. I'm just going to say you're in your mid-40s or early 40s. I mean, I'll, I'll say, I, mean, I, I just turned 47. My birthday was actually yesterday. Really? I just oh. turned, uh, yeah, I just turned 47. Happy so. late birthday. But oh, thank you. Of course, of course, it was a good day. Uh, without it, you wouldn't be here, so it was pretty nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, it's true. It kind of sounds like a dick thing to say, but it's true. But 
that's what I mean. You've done it for a majority of your life, man. Like that's that's a long time for over 30, for about thirty years or so. You know, you've been it, and you're only in your forties. Like that's basically your blood. It's what you do. It's kind of who you are. Is being an artist. So they hear that. Like I just I'm just always wanted to know. Like as a writer, I know personally because it's I love to create stories and I love to create worlds. I love to inspire and motivate people. Like it's one of those things and. To know that people get in either films these days or uh, comics and either one of like the five series got going on right now. So whatever it is, it is just in our blood. And I think as creatives, people need to kind of hear that a little bit more these days. You'd be like, it is okay that you have these drives, that you are this type of person. Because I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, a lot of people are put down anymore because, like, oh, I don't have the time. Oh, I can't do it. But if it's in your blood and who you are, you gotta go for it, you know. Yeah, and I mean, for me, I mean, it hasn't all been. I mean, my career has been um, has been at times very difficult. I mean, it's never, yeah. it's never been easy to be an artist. Um, but that shows you've done good, time. though. Well, it, I just wanted to put that out there because everyone has doubts and everyone wonders. Mm. I mean, I still have doubts about certain things. But at the end of the day, um, if you want to create, the most important thing to do is just create. True. A lot of times people ask, you know, how do I do this or how do I do that? Um, I, I think the big question for a lot of uh, aspiring comic artists is how, is, how do I break in? Mm. And at the end of the day, if you want to do comics, the most important advice anyone can give you is just create comics. Yeah. Just do it. They're not all going to be perfect, or they're not all going to be great. Um, but the more you do them, the more you learn. Um, it's about just keeping at it um, and and uh, pushing forward. Yeah. So. One hundred percent. And there's going to be hurdles, and you know that's why I like doing the show a lot, is because we get to bring in people like yourself, and we get to talk about this sort of stuff. Because, you know, there's so much doubt these. And correct me if I'm wrong, but there seems to be so much doubt these days with you know people putting others down and people in, in like the world are like oh you can never be this you can never do that because when you tell someone especially i couldn't even imagine 30 years ago when you're like i'm gonna work in comics if that was the thing of what you said i couldn't imagine the backlash because even in 2020 you're like i'm gonna work in comics people are be like eh, you're gonna fail like it's that whole thing with that and i think if you push past that there is so much potential because once you get past that first hurdle it's so it's gonna be difficult but i think so much it's a tad bit easier because then you're not being weighed down by others. Right. And, you know, for me, um, I, the two, the two things I think of that are the most important things in relation to what you were just talking about. The first one being, I remember years and years ago, I was at a convention in Nashville and I was part of a small group. It was Sort of like a buyer's group was called uh, Galaxy Comics, and so basically they bought comics as if they were a comic store, but it was actually a, a collection of comic book fans who managed to get a hold of the business license. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, and so we bought comics basically at a huge discount. And I was back in those days, and even up until a few years ago, I was reading almost everything being published. Ooh. And so we were also looking at creating our own comics and, and we were doing like a small zine newsletter like you'd go to Kinko's and have copies run off and uh, we had we we're doing like little small comic uh, four page comic stories 
that were being published on the back of our our you know monthly newsletter zine thing or whatever. Mm. And I remember a lady taking a look at that and taking a look at my portfolio and then telling me that I'd never make it a comic because I didn't understand I did not understand how to communicate death. That's kind of, that's really specific. That's oddly yeah. specific for that. Like that sounds like someone who's been around the block a couple of times. I would maybe. I mean, or just super fan. One of the two. Well, here, here's the thing. One of the things that an inker does is create the illusion of death. And uh, I actually uh, several years ago was nominated for an Inkwell uh, Award. Which really? Is, yeah, one of the highest honors the highest honors that an inker can actually be nominated for. And so I like to tell that story uh, whenever I'm talking to people that are, that are having doubts but are not sure mm. to tell them that, you know, at the end of the day, someone's opinion is just someone's opinion. That's true. They may have a valid point. It may be something that you, in fact, need to work on. Um, but at the same point, you shouldn't let, you shouldn't take that too much to heart and you shouldn't let that discourage you from creating and doing the things that you want to do as a creative professional. You know, you, if you want to create comics, create comics. If you want to make movies, go out and make the movies, you know? Mm. The important thing is to, is to try and learn from every experience and to make the most of every opportunity that you're given. Um, there were certain opportunities that thought, oh, this is going to lead to something great, and it led to not much of anything. <laughs> and then other things that I thought, well, this will never be anything, but I put my all into it anyway. And it turned out to be a tremendous opportunity. You never know. Um, and the key always is just keep moving forward. Yeah. And everyone understand. And if anyone's listening, understand. Everyone has doubts. Everyone questions what they're doing. But if you want to create, create. Yeah, that's that's pretty much. Dave, do you write? Have you written a book at least about this stuff? Because I feel like you could definitely get away with writing a book. Damn it! <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have written some some of my own comics under duress because I couldn't find anyone else to write them. But Air? you know, there was, I, I haven't written any inspirational, motivational things at all. Oh, I but, you gotta do I, it. I'm just, I'm just giving the advice that has been given to me by different people over the years. It's but you could so. still get away with putting. I mean, come on! In a world where Brian Cranston gets away with doing one a motivational book, and then he also gets away with admitting he, he like had sex with his wife on a train in the middle of daylight, and he got that published and awarded for it, you can get away and get a, get a good book out there, Dave. <laughs> I have full faith about that. <laughs> oh my God! Well, I, I, no, no, no. It'd be interesting to see that. But it seems like you've been around the block on so many different aspects of. The entertainment industry too. Like I would say, I, I say industry that makes me kind of cringe every time I see it. I've kind of been just shaped to say it. But in in the entertainment world, it seems like you've been around the block a few different times between comics, all the jobs, and hell, just to talk about it, writing and everything else like that. Like it really does seem like you've been around. Well, as a as a creative professional in order to make a living, um, you know you. You take the projects that, at the end of the day, will will make sure that the mortgage gets paid. So, um, I've worked on a lot of different projects just from that basic standpoint. Um, mm. That is, you know, and then other things are just fun opportunities. You know, unique opportunities. Um, uh, the, a lot of the film projects I've worked on, those are just kind of fun, unique opportunities. Um, 
No, here, trust me, you're absolutely, it makes you more human. It's not like, I have all these answers on the standby for anything that happens. Like, no, no, you're human, and you got to think about it for a minute here. I could have made an old joke there, Dave, but it's all right. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Yeah, I kind of worked on a lot of stuff. I mean, and, and it's also, too, because you just you never know what is going to, what's going to lead to something else. It's true. Um, I mean, it really, it, it, it's, it, I mean, it really, that's kind of the thing. It's like if a unique opportunity comes to you and you go, oh, this will be fun, you know, you just, you take it on. Um, I remember years ago, I worked on uh, an iPhone, actually, comic oh. that I don't think anyone ever read. <laughs> Wait, what are you? <laughs> wow. Really admitting that about that one here, Dave. You're just like, I don't think anybody ever read it, though, but. I was like 100%. I like just, I agree full heartedly with that. I would not have a career if I didn't say that'd be fun. And I wouldn't be working in the movies. I wouldn't be doing comics or even a podcast if I didn't have the mentality. Like that'd be fun to try out. It's like, huh, huh. It's a whole new world right now. When someone pitches something to me, I almost always say yes. There's very few things I say no on. If I say no, it's easy to do the schedule. But I almost always say yes. I'm like, it's a Kevin Smith mentality here. Just say yes. It's fine. You know, you don't know what you're going to get into. Although, if it says born right in the description, I'm not doing it. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> sorry about that. But, you know, I like you just say yes to the job because, you know, I wouldn't, there's, I don't know. I can't talk. It's one of those things that due to an NDA, I can't talk about some really cool stuff that's coming out. But I'll just give it this. There's some really cool merchandise here that's going to be coming out for my comics at the uh, company I work for, SGGS, that's going to be coming out later this year. And it's one of those containing the secrecy and the excitement when you're like, wow, my inner child, it is screaming. And all because I took the opportunity to be like, hey, can I pitch you something real fast? Just like I, I know I interviewed, like I interviewed you and buy it. Like, you guys, you have your own company. Can I pitch you something? Be like, it'd be fun to work for you. Write a comic. You know, I've always wanted to. And then just from there, it's this whole thing. I, and there, the opportunity, you're absolutely right with the opportunities. Because, like, we talked about in the beginning with all the tech going around and stuff like that. There are so many opportunities between social media, YouTube, websites, indie stuff, you know, Kickstarter, all that sort of stuff. So, I think... Now, someone corrected me and said no. I've had someone say only say no once or twice. But I say we live in a golden age of creativity at the moment. Hey, folks. Dakota here with a little bit of an ad break for you guys today. 
do you guys like reading comics? Obviously, if you listen to the show, you do. What the fuck am I talking about? Then you guys, if you're in Arizona, which a good majority of the fan base is, shout out to the ones in Canada, though, you guys can go to Drawn the Comics in Glendale, Arizona, located at 5801 West Glendale Avenue in Glendale, Arizona. I gotta say, folks, I've been going here for a long time now. Um, I've been to a few different comic book stores in Arizona in my six years of living here so far, and this may change due to the recording nature, but whatever. So... I love going to Drama Comics. I really do. Ken, who runs it, is an amazing fucking laid-back dude. He's a wonderful guy. He's been on the show, ladies and gentlemen, before. And it's a really fun place to pick up the book. So draw on the comics in Glendale, Arizona. Get yourself a box, you know. Go in maybe just check it out. It's a fun place to escape into. His work, all the workers there are fucking wonderful folks. They really are. It's just like family at this point, at least for me. And it's a fun world to go into. There's collectibles there. There's toys. There's comics. You know, and you just get your box and reserve some books and whatnot. We've had people on the show who've written and drawn comics, you know. Go in and pick up their work, folks. Jesus Christ. It ain't that difficult. So go to Draw on the Comics in Glendale, Arizona, folks. You guys can check them out also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks, everyone. Now back to the show. Yeah, I have to say that there's probably... You know... Uh-oh. I know... For example, I was just gonna bring I was gonna bring this up. I like to point this out every once in a while. Mm-hmm. I know, Go for uh, it. Some 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 people like to look down a lot of the comics that came out in the nineties, for example. Oh, they do. Uh, <laughs> yes. But you know, for the comic book industry at that time, in a weird way, it when I think of it historically, I always think of it in terms of like a second golden age. When you look in terms of sales, expansion of uh, the different um, characters and, and companies and the, you know people's homes. Um, and, and you think about it too, it's like when, when the Golden Age of Comics hit, a lot of really young artists and writers and creative professionals got the chance to create and do a lot of stuff that maybe they weren't totally prepared to do. It was just stuff they kind of wanted to do and they found themselves in a, a new thing and and it grew and expanded and, and and became kind of that industry. And when I think about the comics in the 90s, I think it, in some ways about a kind of the same, the same way. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of uh, kids get the opportunity to work on projects in normal circumstances they would never have gotten to work on. And that was a tremendous opportunity for, for growth and expansion and a lot of opportunity. And in a sense, we have that again now, uh, thanks to the internet. So... Um, I don't know. I, I just, I, you know, I think everyone gets down about things from time to time, but, but I, I do think that there's an awful lot of potential out there for different people to come together in unique and interesting ways and create some really tremendous work. You are an angel. I swear to God, Dave. <laughs> it's like, like, I swear. That's, that's beautifully put. And also, too, I love how you support the 90s, by the way, because I do, too, and totally agree with that because... It was so different, and you're absolutely right. How many things from the 90s – well, think about it. How many things from the 90s are still around today? A lot. Spawn, you know, McFarlane toys that came from – Image Comics. You know, I Dark Horse. I think Dark Horse was in the 90s, if I remember correctly, too. I really think it's just about 
if someone comes to you with the, uh, an interesting opportunity as a creative professional, you know, if you've got time to do it and what's interesting, I think it's worth pursuing. Yeah, so, it's true. Um, I'm a big believer in that. Yeah, and I mean, you've obviously been doing well for yourself because of it, too. <laughs> you can't say it hasn't worked out for you all year. I mean, obviously, 30 years is a pretty good resume. Yeah, I, I've i been kind of amazed. I mean, I've, I've been managed to... Um, I like to tell this story. I, I almost... Um, got, <laughs> I almost, uh, basically in my 20s, ended up getting a job selling perfume door-to-door. What the hell? Oh, uh, that's you know, a... I, just, <laughs> I, was, I was having a hard time uh, making a living. And so I went and interviewed for this, this thing, selling perfume door-to-door. And they, 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 what they would do is they would make you have to call a phone number. Um, and, and they'd be kind of in a bad part of town. And they, want, want you, cause they wanted to see if you had the moxie to go in and ask someone to use their phone. Because if, if you're willing to just walk into some place that was a part of town you were not familiar with and actually ask to use a phone, then they knew that you would be willing to go out and go door to door and actually sell perfume. Right? You, kind of a weird thing. you can't see my face right now, but my jaws dropped, man. <laughs> like it's like <laughs> just on the floor because there's no way in any possibility you could get away with that this day. There's no way. And two, well, actually, you kind of could just ask for a cell phone because I don't know how many people have a home phone anymore. But you just, just no, that's amazing. <laughs> like, well, I, I, knew of a, I actually knew of a place. Um, that was actually a t-shirt shop, but the, the gentleman that uh, owned the t-shirt shop, his name is Mitch, uh, at that time he owned it, his name is Mitch Faust. Mm-hmm. And Mitch had actually, uh, with a company he found called Black Tie Studios, they had published an independent comic book series called The Last Generation. And Mitch is actually a, a really talented painter. He's actually a huge mentor of mine. Um, and it all started because of this, but mm. um, but he also back in the black and white explosions in the eighties, like he painted a lot of covers for things like uh, Ninja Elite, which is part of the Adventurers line. Uh, he did some stuff for Alien Nation, for uh, Caliber, like this all these just crazy black and white comics. A lot of people don't really remember very well anymore. But what was interesting is I went in there, I had to use the phone, and when I told him what I was doing. He was kind of stunned, and he's like, I guess you didn't see the help wanted sign when you walked in. <laughs> and I was like, no. And so I ended up getting a job there, and he told me, he's like, well, look, here's the deal. We need some help doing some different things, but we'll, if, you, if, you, if you're serious about doing art, you understand, this is, I was in my 20s, like, if you're serious about doing art and creating, he's like, we'll teach you the business. And I was like, okay. And so, you know, that's kind of where my career kind of started. I... I started off just uh, doing whatever they need to do around the t-shirt shop but they taught me the basics because computers were new back mm-hmm. then uh, back then it was just photoshop photoshop back in the day one of the first comics that uh, I worked on that I actually had a credit on because I was a ghost for many years but one of the first comics I worked on that had my name actually on the cover and I was in the credit. Um, we wrote it in Photoshop, but it didn't have editable text. So whenever you had to go make a change, you had to basically go in and erase 
and then retype individual letters and then put them back in place or retype a word and try to put it. It was very much like the way you would do it traditionally on a board, but you were just doing it in the computer. You could just click on it and delete something and then type a new word in. It didn't work like that back then. Such a different world. You uh, are making the younger audience members right now be like just astonished of this shit. Like it's seriously this uh, like what? <laughs> what was this ancient <laughs> era you speak of? Like this, yeah. I speaking of, I saw a thing before we started here. Was it was a meme someone shared on Facebook and it was of a floppy disk. It was a 3M floppy disk and what? someone and someone said, "Oh, I just feel age because of what this person said to me. And he wrote down below what someone said about it. They're like, oh, you 3D printed the save icon from Microsoft Word. And I'm like, oh, my God. No. No. Like, I just internally scream because I'm like, if you ask that person what Blockbuster is, I'm just going to – my instinctive reaction, they're going to be, what's that? I just immediately would almost want to smack them and be like, you idiot. Your parents have failed you. <laughs> You're uncultured. Like, what has happened to you? Like, no. But then I'm like, wait, that's to you because I have a stepsister that legitimately doesn't know. I, I, yeah. <laughs> it just, it's, you know, oh. That was, that was the thing. I, I got lucky that, that I, I fell into an opportunity where someone was willing to teach me. And then yeah. because um, he was so well known in the area and, and had a lot of professional friends, I had the opportunity to work from a lot of, to actually learn from a lot of professional comic book artists and cartoonists because they were constantly coming in the shop and showing him stuff that, that he, they were working on. Mm-hmm. And, and through that, I got a lot of unique opportunities to start ghosting, and I worked on a bunch of different things that I'm not credited for. Wow. Um, and then I just continued to just kind of build and work and build and work, and um, I just never gave up. You know, it, it, that's kind of the key sometimes of achieving your, you know, your dreams. And, and I wouldn't say I've achieved my dreams by any stretch of the imagination, but I've achieved a lot of things that I didn't think was possible. Yeah. I've gotten to work on a lot of things that I, as a kid, always thought, man, it'd be great to work on Batman. Like, well, it's not that. So I, I love Firestorm and the superpowers. I had a little superpowers when I was a kid. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, it'd be so fun to work on this. And Martian Manhunter was one of my favorite toys. It'd be fun to work on Martian Manhunter, you know. And it's a crazy idea to think that I've gotten to work on a lot of those things. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's just about if you have a dream, don't give up and, and keep pushing. Exactly. And I still have dreams and things that I want to have happen now, so I continue to do the same thing. I continue to push and and continue to create. There was a, um, I think Michael Rosenbaum said it on the uh, Inside of You podcast, and I think I'm not, I'm not trying not to butcher this, but he said, make the dreams something that you know it will take you a lifetime to complete. But you're going to enjoy the adventure along the way because if you get those dreams and you accomplish it in two years, what are you going to do? Because that's your dream. How are you going to live? And if you're yawning to it, like, what the fuck? What are you going to do? You know, like, if I was just, like, for example, I do, I write comics right now and I'm published. But say if I wanted to, if say if my dream was just become a comic book writer, I'd be said clean and done. I'd be like, well, life's over or just work in the film industry and work for Hollywood stuff. Done it already. I'd be like, life's over. Don't know what I'm going to do. Drunken hole, here I come. Like, no, you don't want to do that. You want to be like, I have this dream or dreams, and it's going to take a lifetime to do, but I'm going to enjoy this adventure, and it's going to be a blast. And you're going to do really cool things along the way and enjoy it. That's the way he's like, go about chasing dreams that way. And I 
done it ever since. I, I like that's perfect. Hey folks, Dakota here. And do you guys like Dungeons and Dragons as much as I do? Because if so, you're gonna like Adventures in Green and Garb. You know, they're a really fun new group on YouTube, their whole DD campaign group. But let me tell you what they're all about. Adventures in Green and Garb started as most DD campaigns do around their parents' dinner table. Last year, they decided to bring it to YouTube, though, with the addition of costumes and green screens. Come on, that adds some really cool flavor flavor right there. Still in the family, their season one campaign is nearing its exciting conclusion with many mysteries yet to be revealed. They hope you enjoy it as much as they love making it and playing, doing so much with D&D. So smash that like button, subscribe and share, and look for them at this year's Gen Con. So I'm extremely excited to have these guys a part of the Comic Chronicle and Film World podcast, you know, to partner up and all that such, because they're truly wonderful people, and you guys should go subscribe and support them and give them a like. They're really, really fun. And because we've been playing throughout the commercial, I'm going to play you guys the theme that they have. The first time you're listening to this, you're going to want to go subscribe, and then we'll get right back to the podcast. Thanks, everyone. Let us roll you a tale where heroes prevail As we wander the blight Prepared for the fight On the edge of the world, claiming almighty glory In spite of the cost, love and loss frame our story We won't back now, bloodied by dragons made gory We roll this tale for you, roll for you Banded by fate, oblivion beware Watches great fires well, lightning cracking the air Olden powers unleashed, together taming the beast We roll this tale for you Don't quit, dreaming up one forfeit. Don't look back, stay alive, smite them, survive, keep moving on. Don't quit, dreaming up one forfeit. Don't look back, stay alive, smite them, survive, stay fast and through. We surrender our lives to defend all the realm till that good day arrives. When we lay down our swords, bodies scarred and bruised, having rolled a tale for you. On the edge of the world, claiming almighty glory In spite of the cost, love and loss frame our story We won't turn back now, bloody by dragons made gory We roll this tale for you, roll for you Well, good for you. That, that's, that's the lesson, I think, that most people that are, that are struggling you know, with trying to find what it is they want to do, that's the most important thing to remember is just love the craft and do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, that's the most the most important aspect of, of any creative endeavor. Um, you know, if, if um, I mean, like, for example, like, um, I found myself at a crossroads and, and I had to choose how I was going to continue to move forward. I still have things that as an independent creator, I want to do. So I decided to move into that space. Yeah. Um, it hasn't been super easy. <laughs> it never <laughs> you know, is. Yeah. You know, but uh, there's 
just certain things that professionally um, I want to achieve. Um, and one of the things I want to do is, as much as I can, um, I'm a member of the uh, Northern Arizona Cartoonists Association, and, oh, yeah. and I'm a big believer in uh, trying to find a way to create things but also create opportunities for others at the same time. So a lot of the things I do, I'm always looking for a way to try and create a platform, and then in the process of that platform, hopefully you know, give other people the opportunity to create and work on things, you know, with us. Mm-hmm. That's, I'm a big believer in that. Um, and part of that is because I, for my entire career, I've always had other professionals who've been kind enough to pull me aside and say, I see you're struggling with this, or um, I see you're doing this. You know, I was doing something similar, and then I started using this tool, or I started looking at this way, or why. I read this book that was interesting, expanding my horizon, or you know that that opportunity to grow through you know networking with other professional creators. That, that's mm-hmm. a big thing. It's really important. It's true. I think believe that, that as you work on things with others, you know everyone learns from the experience. Um, yeah, I one hundred percent. I have to say though is that to listeners out there, if you guys don't take anything of value from this episode, I have no idea how to help you. I'm so sorry. Because <laughs> there, like, I have no idea what to say to you if you can't take anything from Dave or I. Because this has been the most like inspirational, motivational episode I think we've ever done. But, you know, this is real talk. Like We're kind of giving advice here, and it's kind of the point of the show, you know, giving advice and motivation, inspiration, and, you know, learning about comics and stuff like that, too. But... This is the point of the show, man. It's like to be that platform that you can listen to be like, hmm, that's true. That's right. Let's keep, you know, because I don't know. There's so many things we could go off on that one. But uh, while I have you here, good man, I do have, we'll get back on the comics a little bit now instead of, eh. But I have to ask Dave, this is a personal question. What has been the most interesting thing that you think you've worked on? Like you're, you're the most, the most interesting thing you think you've ever done that you're like, wow, I'm really proud of that. Hmm. That's an interesting question. Because um, we all got that one or two. Mine's two, because yeah, I, I can't decide anything in life. But Well, I'll, I'll say that probably the thing I'm most proud of right now is Red Skirts, which is my current project. Uh, I know it's been kind of sitting idle. It started as a webcomic, and, and it seems like we've been kind of dragging our feet. But I, I've actually been working on volume two, and there's tons of stuff that people haven't seen yet. The red skirts is definitely my big thing. But if we want to talk about, like, the stuff I've done for Marvel, DC, that kind of stuff, the stuff that people would probably be most familiar with, the project I'm most proud of instead of this day is going to be the work that Scott and I did on Friday's Day. Mm. Uh, uh, That series as a whole, because there was so many different creative teams that worked on it, because it was coming out twice a month, um, and just the depth of the material and also the way that Scott wanted to work. We created things, digital, a, a hybrid between traditional and, and digital in a truly kind of unique way and, and it kind of created its own look. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the series at the end of the day I'm, that I'm still the most proud of is the work that we did on, uh, on Brightest Day. So I'd count that as two. I'd count the current work you're doing right now, and then also I'd count that because you got to count that current stuff because you seem, you sounded really proud of that. Yeah, I, I am. I'm very 
Webster's had it to work with Webster's. Webster's is, could not be more different <laughs> yeah. than the work we did on Brightest Day because I'm trying to create kind of the look of an animated cartoon. Mm. Um, and so, uh, the, for example, uh, the majority of the sets, the vehicles, and a lot of the props are actually created in 3D. And then I'm hand-drawing all of the figures and then coloring them um, and then layering them together as if it was uh, the way you would work in animation where you have, you know, characters uh, over um, kind of static kind of background. Okay, that sounds extremely different, and I'm in love with it. I'm not no no, no bowling or anything like that. I am extremely in love with that because that sounds really interesting. Wow! And it, it's it's a fun project too because the way it came about is uh, Al Sparrow, who's the co-creative writer. Al and I we did an event at a, an opening, like a grand opening event at a comic book store, and we were sitting next to each other. And I've known Al for years. Mm-hmm and have enjoyed his independent title he does with Stephen Reed called Thugs. It's basically about two henchmen thug-like characters who actually managed to kill Batman and Robin on a lark. Jesus. And then all the heroes are trying to get them for what they did. Wow. Um, and they go from being like, you know, thug number one and thug number two to be, you know, uh, what do they call it, FBI's most wanted number one and number two. Oh, God, I would kill myself. There's just no way. It'd be like the whole Justice League is coming after. Like, I'm just going to jump off a bridge. I'm not going to survive. They're going to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a great series. I've always enjoyed it. And we were sitting next to each other, and I had started. I always want to get better at drawing women. Um, and so I've been drawing all these different female characters and trying to get better at drawing the female form and stuff. And, and it eventually got to the point where there was enough skin tight superhero outfits. What can what can we put on them? Mm. And so I started just doodling Star Trek, you know, different Star Trek uniforms on them. You know, motion picture here and type stuff. You know, the red tunic stuff, classic original series, all these different, you know, next gen, all these different kind of outfits. And so someone had come up to me and uh, they actually had a. Uh, Star Trek one sketch cover, and they wanted me to sketch something on it. So I actually did a female version of Spock. What? On this cover. What? And yeah, a female version of Spock. What? And then I drew um, a uh, the Enterprise kind of orbiting the planet, like you would see, like in the opening credits of all the shows. Uh-huh. And and I was like, wow, that's really cool. And I was like, well, yeah, it's funny you bring it up. I've been sketching all this stuff, and I showed him all this stuff. And we were having dinner later. And he's like, I kind of like your Star Trek stuff you've been doing. It's like, he's thought about doing anything with it. And I said, no, I just had this crazy thing. He's coming back to me. I said, red skirts. You know how they have the red shirts? Yeah. Red skirt. And Al's like, okay, you just sit on comedy gold. You have to stop right there. He's like, but you have to let me write it. Oh. And I'm like, well, okay. So I thought he might write a couple pages. And within about a week, he sent me like a, an 80-page dossier. Holy shit! <laughs> oh my god! All this like amazing world building and, and all these interesting characters. I was like, okay, well this is interesting. Let's 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 give this a shot. So Red Skirts is a love letter to the science fiction TV shows and movies of the 1960s to the early 1990s. Uh-huh. The first the first episode is very much inspired by Trek, but the second episode is totally inspired by Battlestar Galactica. 
the original 70s version. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, it's just a, a love letter and all that stuff, but it's a humor book. You know, if, if you, uh, you know, notice all kinds of things, like there's some kids flying a remote control ship, and it looks like the gun star from Last Starfighter. <laughs> you see lightsabers sitting on tables. Like, there's all kinds of little Easter eggs and things that are actually hidden inside, you know, when you're reading it and looking at it for you discover if you're like a, a diehard sci-fi fan like uh, Alan and I are. Okay. Where can I find this? Because this sounds um, this sounds like my next Ready Player One. Where can I find this? <laughs> well, you can find it at uh, redskirtsonline dot com. It's R E D S K I R T S O N L I N E dot com. Um, but uh, we've got these the first chapter ended up. The first chapter is over seventy pages. Jeez. We're getting ready to start uh, chapter two here pretty soon. Um, it, it should be hitting here pretty soon and then hopefully later this year at some point um, well we have a lot of interesting things in the work I can't I can't talk too much more about it but there's some interesting developments so hopefully the Kickstarter Indiegogo campaign will hopefully be happening later in the year I don't have a firm date for that yet but there's going to be some interesting things kind of associated with that when it hits it's going to be an, it's just going to be an interesting year for Red Skirt I will happily see on record is that when that Kickstarter and everything goes up online, send me an email because I would love to put a commercial in for it to give you guys support. Oh, well, cool. Thank you. I, I greatly appreciate that. It's, um, what starts to me is in, in some ways probably some of the most personal work I've done because it's, I think it's the most me. It sounds good and bad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, just, I didn't expect the bad part of that one. It's like, it's the most me. And sometimes it's a little bit evil or something. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> well, it's like, for example, like, uh, I love um, things like Space Ghost. A lot of people more familiar with Space Ghost because uh, uh, I remember actually watching the original Space Ghost cartoon uh, back, in, back in the day when it was in reruns when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was a, there's, a, there's a tribunal scene that starts off the first installment of Red Skirts, because Star Trek stories always seem to involve tribunals where some of them court martial for something. That's so, true. Course, you know, it, there has to be that in the story. Yeah. Um, there's a, a tribunal, and these two characters are kind of sitting in judgment. So you have the the kind of weird 50s sci-fi, you know, giant one-eye, squid-like type creature. Um, you have uh, a character that's very much modeled after um, Zorak from Space Ghost. Oh my God. I want the, I want and, more of this so bad. And then the, the, the main character, who's the, the leader of the tribunal, the, the main judge, is actually uh, a dog. And a human, uh, a, they said Earth, a dog from Earth, is super intelligent who can speak. So oh God. Uh, it's, it's just a weird assemblage of just crazy ideas and things that I love. Um, so it, it's, it's interesting because the people that have read it really, really love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, um, I've worked on a lot of series, and I have never seen as many cosplayers as with Webster. Really? Um, yes, we've had more cosplayers with Webster. It's been pretty amazing how uh, into it the people that love Red Skirt are. Oh. Um, and 
and different divisions too. Because just like Star Trek, we have different colored uniforms. They're not all the same. Mm. I've seen people cosplay command. I've seen people cosplay security. Um, it's it's been a lot of fun and, and really interesting. Oh, I take that. That's honestly, I'm gonna put it on record too. That's a dream of mine is to have someone cosplay something from my books because I want to get like pictures with them and be like, you are the best person of all time. You're invited to my wedding if I ever get married. It's like, hold on. <laughs> Which probably won't ever happen. I'll, I'll, never, I'll never forget because years ago, um, we, we were hoping to get cosplayers involved uh, with another series that could have created with Lynn Work and your still called Fushi Tales, which was actually... Uh, about four female samurai heroes sent on a quest by Hachiman, the Japanese god of war, kind of post-apocalyptic samurai story. Um, But the main characters were four female samurai, and uh, we tried to run a cosplay contest because we were really hoping to get people in the cosplay community active and involved with Bushi Talbot. So we actually ran an actual, like, dollar amount, show up in in costume, and you you could entered into a prize mm-hmm. and then it turned into just show up in costume and we'll give you money <laughs> oh. and, and it was so funny because no one ever did it that's the funniest thing really? really, oh really, my god Fusion or something like that. You're not going to suffer from heat stroke in the middle of July. (laughs) Exactly. So I took her advice to heart, and uh, she gave me some ideas. And we actually redesigned the the uniform for the Red Skirts characters to make them, you know, easier to cosplay. (laughs) That is amazing. I mean, that that is definitely who you take advice from on your character's designs because, you know— one, it's amazing to see that they're going to be like, hey, if you want us to do this, we'll do this. It's like, sure, most definitely. But then also it's a sense of like, oh, my God. So you're the people who really enjoy the designs and going to keep reading. 
okay. I'm definitely changing this uniform now. Like, I thought it looked cool. Oh, can you change this? Yeah. Most definitely, fellow kid. <laughs> like, whatever. Like, oh. Oh, man. See, that's living the dream right there. Like, that's, that's, oh. Do you do, are you going to any, I got to ask, are you, going, are you going this year as a guest of the Comic-Con or whatever it's called this year as a guest or um, maybe an exhibitor or anything like that? trending in the gaming industry with just a hint of some sarcasm and rage you probably have this hole you know this void in your life that you don't know how to fill well rage hunter is going to fill it and the best part is we are everywhere itunes iHeartRadio, stitcher google play store spotify podbean instagram twitter so that way you can get as much rage in your life as possible and some news while you're at it so Come check us out and be a part of the greatest gaming podcast in the universe. See you there. Oh, I feel that. Oh, I know that very hard. Very, very hard right now. I have two books that are not going to come out. One is going to come out at least in about a month or two two months probably. And then another one that's going to come out like later on in the year. And I'm just I'm sitting here on it like... <laughs> oh, God. It's like and I just signed off on a bunch of merchandise stuff. So I'm also like... You people are all gonna love it, and I can't talk about it. Like, thank God, people who have talked to me on like asked for like comments and stuff and whatever. Like, I have not been able to talk about it that much because it's been like, okay, I could just type out my responses in this interview because, oh my God, I'm going to s- slip up and I'm gonna be in so much trouble. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> right, and, and, and that's kind of the thing because it's it's weird when you because I am not very good. That's sometimes at keeping secrets. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I think one of the one of the hardest things for me was um, when I was doing stuff for DC. I was one of the creative, well, part of creative teams that created some stuff for Flashpoint. That was a run cover for the New Fifty Two, and then eventually we went on and worked on a couple different New Fifty Two books as well. Mm. And I remember when we had 
you know, we got the information and, and had the phone conference where they were telling us what was going on. We can't talk about things. And and the whole time you're, because I was still doing conventions and stuff at that point, and the whole time you're thinking, it's like, I can't tell anyone what I'm doing. <laughs> but it, you're like, it's so cool. The fans are going to love it, and they're going to love me, and they're going to love this. Like, And you're like, oh, man. So someone asked, like, what are you doing, Dave? Uh, 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 nachos <laughs> at the convention bar? That's all I'm doing. Uh, nothing. <laughs> Taxes, yeah, what are you was, doing? <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it, was, it was an interesting time. Um, I don't think I've ever had so many, uh, like, secrets I've had to keep before is when all that was going on. Oh, I so. bet. Oh, I bet. So far, I haven't done anything with the big two or anything like that. But, my God, the dream for that. Hopefully one day, but yeah, I couldn't imagine. And I gotta ask you this: is because we're coming near the end of the show here, but I like to ask like artists uh, just a little bit of the time. Like, what was like your favorite DC guy to work on or gal? Like, what, I'm curious because you worked on so many damn people, either inking or whatever it may be. Like, what was your favorite person to work on on DC? Because I got my favorite people. I got like to write for in my book series. But what are your favorite guys that you think you did or gals? Are we talking about on the creative side or come about like a character? Like, I would say, well, whichever you like. I would say definitely, like, whichever one on creative side, uh, like, well, whichever one that you've worked on, that you you had the most enjoyment to work on as a character when you're being, being an artist at DC. Well, I'd have to say, on the character side, probably the most fun that we had was actually when uh, I know, when, for me personally, was when I got to work on Flashpoint Wonder Woman. Ooh. Um, and the reason being was they really didn't care what anything looked like. What? Yeah, they, they really didn't. Um, I remember when we sent we sent an email to um, Abnett and Landing, they were, they were the writers, and we sent an email, um, and we were just like, because we, we, we weren't sure what to do with Aquaman, for example. It's like, well, what is he wearing? And so we would email editorial, and then, uh, and they were sort of like, well, it's kind of uh, up to what the writers want to do. And then we would email them, and then yeah. eventually there was a huge email chain that everyone was talking. And I'll never forget the response from the writers. It was like, I don't know, I think it should be green and pork. <laughs> so we got to do whatever we wanted. I mean, they, they really, oh. and all honest, because the flashpoint, while there's so many interesting, amazing things that emerged through flashpoint that, that are still around. And fans love a lot of things that came out of Flashpoint. That's true. Um, I think I think definitely the Thomas Wayne Batman is the big thing. But beyond that, there was just a lot of fun things that came out of Flashpoint that are still around. And on the creative side, which made it so amazing for us as professionals, is that DC didn't have a lot of stuff kind of... I mean, like, they had the look for Wonder Woman pretty much set. Yeah. Everything else about Wonder Woman's world, like the, the later version of Aquaman was set, but other than that, they didn't care what anything looked like. Just, just you know, have it seem like it fits with the other thing. Okay. Huh. So we got to do a lot of world building and designing and creating. And we went crazy. Like, if you go back and you look at that, that first issue that Scott made, because we didn't get to finish... We didn't get to finish Flash, but one because they pulled us off to go work on Batman Incorporated. That's a long story. Yeah. But we did the first issue of Flash, but Wonder Woman, and we were so heavily invested in that that when you see the mascara, that is a totally realized 
three D model. What? Every every aspect of the mascara when you see the establishing shot and everything that you see in that book that is a totally realized CGI model that Scott and I built. Everything, all the statues. Uh, it's it's all it's all there. I primarily focused on building a lot of the statues. I did a lot of the uh, columns and some of the different structures. Scott did a lot of stuff with the island and actually composited it and pulled it together. Um, we we're heavily inspired by a lot of stuff you'd see like in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, but I mean, we were all in. You, you don't really get to see it, but Atlantis is a fully realized place. <laughs> you, that's so much work. I can, my God. I, I, I want, I give you huge, huge props. Like a Shaquille O'Neal amount of props here because that, I don't even know if they anybody does that to this day because another time my mouth is on the floor, Dave, because beautiful. This is beautiful. Like, why would you, what made you think to do that? Well, for part of it was Scott and I were not sure what we were going to need, one. Okay, that would do it. And <laughs> the, way, the way that we were working is we were building a lot of our environments in uh, 3D so that we could pose cameras, we could get kind of unique and interesting camera angles, and it gave us more flexibility from the standpoint of being a storyteller. Mm, okay. So we were, we were very heavily invested in that, and, and kind of, a, it was interesting because at times we were approaching comics as cinema, and then we were approaching comics as just comics, um, and trying to find what that meant for us, because... And before Scott done time of death, the goal was we were trying to establish and build a studio and kind of establish a working method for how we were going to approach everything, like all of the different projects we would take on moving forward. We had some phone conferences to actually do some stuff for some other publishers that mm-hmm. ended up not kind of coming through that would have been along this along the lines of the work that we do on Batman Incorporated, for example, because Batman Incorporated is that issue we did, Nightmares in Numberland, that is totally CGI, the whole thing. Shit. Um, and it was a tremendous amount of work to try and pull off. Um, and uh, Scott was a big believer in that. Uh, I was too, because I just, I, I like the idea of being able to just kind of put the camera where you want and, and really kind of focus more on the storytelling aspect of it. Mm. But at the same point too, um, you know, with what we were doing Flash for Wonder Woman, we were trying to still maintain the integrity of the drawn figures. You know what I mean? And the energy, the gesture, you know, yeah. that it kind of happens with comics. Um, and, and it was just something we were very interested in and we were really trying to kind of creatively explore and kind of push the boundary. Um, and it's something that the majority of the work that Scott and I did together whether you want to go back to Star Guys back in the 90s, we were constantly building upon this idea. So we were very heavily invested in that. So the Flash for Wonder Woman, the idea was, one, we didn't know what we were going to need because mm. we just had this old issue. And then number two, when he and I got going, we were still in the world building. We sometimes didn't want to stop. <laughs> so Jesus. It's like, it's like, well, of course we need an amphitheater. Of course we need a hall of heroes. And of course we need an armory. You know, you don't see any of those in the book, but of course we're going to need that. So it, it, True. that's kind of the problem. You know, as we approach it as, well, let's just build the world and whatever we need, we have. And it was so 
I'll never forget this because they had to talk me into going to work on Batman Incorporated. I had to be talked into it. I didn't want to leave Flash Gordon with them, and I was so invested. Wow. I mean, it's, I mean, it sounds, you put in so much work. No wonder you didn't want to leave it. I don't blame you. Like, to be like, yeah. we want you to take, we want to take you away from this baby thing right now. You guys put so much effort into it. It's nice you got to play around, but now move on. Like, wait, 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 wait. Hold it. No, that's ending. No, no, no. <laughs> this is still going on here. And it was such a different thing when we got, we went to that incorporated because so much of that look was established. I mean, yeah. not what we did, but I mean, so much of that book, it, it had a certain aesthetic. We, there was still a lot of creative freedom, but it, it wasn't anything like what it was on Flash and Wonder Woman. They really kind of didn't care what we did as long as it was good. Yeah. Um, and but, it told the story in a compelling way. Yeah. Um, I spent, I spent, I think all told, I spent, over 18 hours just inking the page that has the weird Kraken monster yeah. in it. I mean, because there's so many little noodly lines or whatever that Scott put into it. Um, oh. And it was, just, it was just a labor of love. So I think my favorite single issue um, and probably my favorite character, um, like my favorite character at DC is Batman, and I did get to work on Batman. Yeah. But my favorite book that I personally worked on that I still love, I love Flash Knight Wonder Woman the one that, for me, for a single issue, the opportunity that we had on that book was tremendous. It's an opportunity. We didn't get on any other book that we worked on. Even on Grifter, where we were the main art team, we did not have the same kind of freedom that we had on Flashpoint. Um, that was huge. Um, and a tremendous opportunity. And, and, and just because of timing. Yeah. Just because of timing. You know, we were just running cover for the New 52. That was the goal. Dude. You know, create some compelling stories, run cover until the New 52 is ready to go to press. And wow. um, that was so much that was so much fun, that whole endeavor. Um, that just sounds like the and, dream book you want to get right there at like a DC or a Marvel thing if you want on the go for them. I, I mean, I kind of do, but I really do. But that just seems like the dream book to get right there. That amount of freedom, that amount of everything like that, man. That amount of love and labor. Like, 18 hours, you definitely got to love something if you're doing it for 18 hours. Like, it's like, oh, my Lord. Like, that, that is the dream thing you want to get for that. I, I couldn't imagine going from that to Batman because immediately you're going to know, oh, it's Batman. They're going to be on us with binoculars watching everything we do. And we can't change that. We can change some stuff. Not that much. But it's like... That the creative opportunity right there, man. You do you have those books still? I would hope. Like, did they give you? They send you like a comp or something like that for those? Oh yeah, I, mean, I have comp copies. Okay, good, good, good. I actually have a shelf um, that actually in the studio here. There's a shelf, and on it I have um, all of the um, the stuff that I've worked on oh. uh, that's in a collected format. So I have like you know, all of Brightest Day, you know, Justice League Cry for Justice, Justice League America Volume One. You know, Batman Incorporated, Grifter Volumes 1 and 2. Like, all of those are on that shelf. And then also, too, over the years, fans have, because uh, the, the fans are the greatest, at conventions, they sometimes bring me things. I don't know why they do that, but oh. they'll bring you some little things. So, on that same shelf in front of those books, I have, like, Grifter action figures and little Firestorm figures. They, they made, actually, I, I don't understand why, but they made these little high school kid style like Brightest Day Firestorm fighting Deathstorm like Deathstorm is not a character for kids <laughs> no he's uh, not he's <laughs> oh my god <laughs> no, that's, a, that's the complete so opposite little weird 
they stole little figures out of them and they came together in a sense. I've got Firestorm on one side, like he's shooting his energy oh, beam. I've got Storm on the other side, like he's shooting back at him. Um, and I think the coolest, I think the coolest thing I have that someone gave me that I was shocked that they made it. It's so cool. Is um, Eagle Moss? You know they do those lead pewter figures that they warn you if you touch, you'll probably die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I have two of the craziest things that have been done. They made a grifter one. And the grifter one is really cool, and I've got some of our art from the book in it, which is really fun. It's neat. But the trippiest one, and the one I'm most amazed that I actually have in my possession, is they actually, in the UK, they made an Eagle Moss figure of Deathstorm. And it's actually modeled after the way Deathstorm looks when he appeared in Brightest Day, when he emerged. Oh. When uh, Jason and Raleigh split, and then Deathstorm emerged, and they realized that the voice, spoiler alert, anyone hasn't read Brightest Day, but the voice was in their head was actually Deathstorm. And oh. he's like, this is going to be so boss, and he's holding his head up. It's actually based off of the art from Brightest Day. And that is oh. one of the coolest things. That's... I definitely look at that every time I go in that studio. I definitely would be like, that's cool. <laughs> just when you look at it and you're like, oh, fans are amazing. Like, it's just so sweet. Like, oh. And, and, and the crazy thing is, it's like, even for Roadster, that's one of the, there's a, a gentleman by the name of Randy Knight. He makes a lot of props and stuff. And he actually gave Al Stale and I both. He actually made replicas of the gun from Roadster. I have an actual full-size replica. Oh my god, <laughs> fans out there of my books that listen to the show, what are y'all doing? You slacking? <laughs> What's going yeah, on? Cool, cool. Oh so, my uh, god. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I, you know, and that's the thing is, is that uh, I, I've been very Oh, 100. You definitely can see the evidence of that. Oh, my God. Dave, I got to tell you, man, we're a little bit over the limit here on the show. We've been talking for almost, we've been talking for over an hour now. I just looked at the time here. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is the time has just flown by. Uh, we're, so we're at, coming into the end of the show. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be the longest one in a while. Do uh, you you and I have been enjoying the time, and I this has been a blast having you on here. I just have not. You and I just got lost in it all. Uh, where can people find you at, Dave? Like on social media, on a web, well, the websites and everything like that. Promote yourself, sir. Well, the, the best place to find me is actually at my website, and that's at davebaby.com. That's of course www.davebeba1ty.com. Davebaby.com. You can go there. You'll find, uh, I have uh, a blog where I post things I'm working on. You can find links to all the social media. You can see all kinds of artwork. You can see things from Red Skirts. You can see things from Batman Incorporated. Um, there, you can actually see a lot of sketch cards I've done. There's a lot of sketch cards that I've done, like for the DC Villains set, Guardians of the Galaxy. All that stuff can be found on my website. Pages from Occupancy. You know, anything you're interested in, there's all kinds of amazing stuff to check out on my website. Sweet. All right, folks, go check it out. Make sure just check it out. Like, keep it open on a tab in your like browser on your phone or something like that. Kind of check it in, and definitely, I, I'm, I'm serious, Dave. 
I'm going to put the commercial. I'm a second time on the record. I will put a commercial in for the Kickstarter and stuff like that later on this year for you. Cool, cool. Thank you. I greatly appreciate the support. Um, and it's been a lot of fun to be here on the show. Um, I, I just, I love talking about comics and, um, you know, when the opportunity presents, I, I, you know, if, if there is anyone out there who's, who's like creative professional or you're a spying professional, you're trying to create and, and you feel like you're, you're second guessing yourself and you're not sure about this and you're not sure about that. The most important thing to remember is just create. Exactly. Keep moving forward. I love it. 100. I'm going to get you stuff printed out on t-shirts for you, Dave, and send it to you. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. Who is this quote by? Me. Oh, yes. Oh, I didn't know. All right. Well, in the final words, that is an epic way to end it, folks. Thanks for tuning in, as always. And stay classy, Thymoscarians.